Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, uh, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Brandon Hunt, the rest of the Steelers front office and the organization and all the coaches too, as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond as they chase that seventh Lombardi. And, you know, I think the big piece um, really, I think in the last week or so is the hiring of Brian Flores. And uh, regardless of what people think about the lawsuit and, you know, the prejudice or lack thereof, maybe some people think there is a lack thereof um, prejudice against Brian Flores. Regardless, he's an NFL head coach um, caliber, you know, human being. And quite frankly, to get him as a linebacker, as a uh, coach and uh, senior defensive assistant, I think is the other title they've given him. is pretty cool um, following on from Keith Butler. And I think it's going to do awesome things for this defense. Uh, A lot of shows have talked about this, but I I think just to recap, I don't think it's going to be an issue with Minka, different positional coach. I think Minka, you know, obviously if half the stuff that Brian Flores is talking about is true, you know, Minka said he'd want to be part of this losing sort of focus. Um, You know, if if Flores is being paid a hundred grand, who knows what players are being told um, about the mentality. So needless to say, I'm really happy with the hire. And so that's what we're going to focus on in the first part of the show today. And obviously, we not we don't differ from what we do at War Room. In War Room, we look at how the Steelers are going to get better from a roster perspective, whether that's through the draft or through free agency, which is coming up in a couple of weeks' um, time. And so what I wanted to do in the first half of the show today, um, and we may get into some of the parts that I've planned for the second. We'll just see how long it takes to get through it. What I've gone and done is actually had a look at the players that are available in free agency that Brian Flores has coached either at Miami or in his last couple of years in the, at the Patriots. Now there's quite a long list. And what, so what I've done is I've actually focused in on defensive players. Um, I do have an offensive player that I could see him putting in a good word for. Now I thought this is interesting because we know that the Steelers have some money in free agency. We know that there's a few positions where they need better depth. Um, and we also know that you know the Steelers look to necessarily get they like they like to get guys that fit the scheme rather than um you know necessarily the biggest name. And what's interesting is when I went back and looked at the system that Flores put in place, while it was quite four three, he never committed to being three four or four three. And I think if you think about that the awesome defensive backs that they had in you know McCordy and you know Xavier Howard, Brandon Jones, um Oh, Byron Jones, sorry, and and what they were doing, um, another free agent that they've got off contract as well in the ed- in the edge position that we'll look at in a, in a moment. Um, you know, they're obviously going to be playing a lot of sub package anyway. That's where the league is going. And what I also found interesting is when I looked back on the 2019 numbers that I was able to pull um, when I was doing some research about the four three versus three four with Brian Flores, um, it was pretty cool to find out that actually in uh. In 2019, the Dolphins um, had a, in terms of all our blitzes, they sent at least one extra rusher off the quarterback on 35.3% of opponent dropbacks per PFF and true media, which was a figure that was solidly above the 28.3% um, average for the league. Meanwhile, the Ravens were blitzing that season at 41.6% and the Steelers at 43.8%. So that was a, that's a pretty high mark um, over the, it's a good 7% over. That's like, you know, 25% over the league's average in terms of the blitzing. Um, not quite up there with the Steelers, but needless to say, Brian Flores does do some creative things in terms of blitz plays. And so, you know, I do think it's interesting 
in terms of, you know, how can he come in here, particularly having been a head coach, um, but, you know, a, a quite a senior coach in the room uh, there for the Patriots as well. So I'm going to go on to this list and uh, talk about where I think there could be some interesting pieces here. And then we're also then going to look at a couple of the recent expert and I'm, you know, doing in those quotation mark sort of hand signals right now, as I say this on the podcast, we look at a couple of the recent mocks and who they've mocked to the Steelers in the first round. And there's a lot of consistency there as well. Um, and then in part two, we're going to do a player profile on Travis Jones, interior defensive lineman or defensive tackle, probably the way he'll get drafted. He's been a favorite of mine for a while. If you're a regular listening to the show, you know, um, that I'm really high on Travis Jones. He's rocket up the boards. I've been high on him back going into late November. I think I started talking about him on the podcast, maybe December. Um, you know, he's really framing up not just to be a top 75 pick, but probably a top 60 pick if he continues at this rate. Um, disappointing because I sort of thought he'd be sitting there in the third round, just maybe. Uh, but who knows in terms of where the Steelers are going to move. And if a guy like that starts falling, um, you just never know. So let's crack into it. So, Looking at the defensive side of the football with Flores, in terms of players of contract, from the Dolphins, you have Emmanuel Ogba, Edge, he listed as Edge, but obviously he's, I think he's about 275 pounds when I looked last. So he's a a lot bigger than your outside linebacker. Um, A little bit small uh, for a defensive end in a 3-4 in terms of that weight sizing. But, you know, if he becomes available and he fits what you want to do. And and the other thing to remember, as I said, is you're playing more sub package. Maybe he's a guy you look at. This is a guy with like almost 35 sacks um, in his career off contract. I think he's going to get a decent contract number from someone, even if particularly, and that's assuming them Miami don't want to keep him there. Um, you know, quarterback hits, you know, he's well, he's edging close to the hundred mark. He had 12 pass defenses last year, which was, which was pretty incredible um, at that position um, there. You know, he's, he's had almost 40, 40 pass defenses in total in his career. Um, hasn't forced a lot of fumbles, which is interesting, um, under the 10 mark for that. Um, you know, and in seasons where he's healthy, he plays, you know, he averages um, over 70% of the snaps, um, you know, so apart from 2017 where he's injured for six games. So in the last two years, he hasn't missed a game, playing 76.7% of the snaps in 2020 and 67.1% um, in 2021. So, you know, Emmanuel Ogba is, is, is a name there, whether he's necessarily a fit for the Steelers, not too sure um, in terms of where they want to go and the way the defense is going to potentially change. Uh, but you'd be silly not to have a conversation with him in my mind. You got Justin Coleman, um, pretty cheap out there, older 29 cornerback. Landon Roberts, a linebacker. John Jenkins, um, interior defensive lineman as well. There, he could be, you know, a cheap depth option. Uh, for them again, look, not a massive name on anyone's radar necessarily. You know, it's different with like Flores has had an intimate look at him. The other thing is that Flores is not obviously coaching um, the defensive line. Um, but yeah, John Jenkins, 33 there, bounced around the league a little bit, um, drafted by the Saints, went over the Seahawks, the Bears, the Giants, the Dolphins, back to the Bears and then back to the uh, Dolphins again. You know, not someone that's, you know, he's had less than three sacks his whole career. You know, you're talking about an absolute depth piece. Um, they never, never had over more than 25 um, tackles solo in a season, um, like less than five pass defenses, under 10 quarterback hits for his career. So when talking like an awesome player here, but maybe it's a depth piece um, that you've got there, but he doesn't necessarily know our system, which is probably goes against him. Uh, then you've got Jason McCourty. A uh, bit of a name, 
um, there, obviously, as someone that's been in the league a while, um, you know, drafted by the Titans, um, played through with them, um, then went over to the Browns, then went over to the Patriots um, there and then and then on to Miami um, for 2021, obviously played in the Patriots when Brian Flores was over there as well, um, which is pretty interesting. Does he want to go around again? You know, he's uh, made almost, you know, he's made over $55 million in his career. Uh, from stats perspective, you know, awesome from a past offensive perspective, um, you know, interceptions, you know, he's almost had 20 in his career, the safety position forced, you know, 12 or so fumbles in his career. I think it is uh, sack in there. He's pretty healthy too um, as well. Like he's only missed, you know, in his like 11 seasons in the league um, and missed only 19 games I'm pulling up there. Um, and there was one healthy game that he was a scratch, but he's played, you know, he only played 25% snaps this season, but previous to that, he played in all 16 games, playing 65.4%, um, 80% in 2018 as well. So he's an interesting fit if he wants to go around again. And I know he doesn't necessarily fit into Jeff Hartman's idea of having younger guys. I want to bring in younger guys in free agency that are here for three years. But if you're using a lot of money to sign on Terrell, Edmonds, perhaps he's someone that will come into the team to play um, there with Terrell Austin um, there and, and, and to play with, um, you know, under, under you know, uh, Flores as well. Interesting sort of person. Then you've got a couple of linebackers in Duke Riley and Brennan Scarlett, um, Vince Beagle as well, um, Jamal Perry. I don't think any of those names are sitting there um you know, the, and a Landon Roberts um, as well. I don't think anyone's sitting there going, these guys are, you know, particularly um, thrilling players. Um, but, you know, it's like we don't know those guys. Um, Brian Flores knows those guys, and perhaps he knows something that we don't about those guys. So maybe maybe you see one of them picked up, even if it's on practice squads. Um, you've then got, you know, Sheldick Redwine as well. So he's someone that we... You know, he's a name that's probably familiar to some Steelers fans as well. Um, from his history, uh, obviously, he was with the Browns, then floated around the Jets, um, the Panthers, back to the Dolphins this year. Um, sorry, not back to the Dolphins, but you know, went into the Dolphins, not played a, a heck ton in the league. Three, you know, pass defenses in three years, one deception, one quarterback hit. Um, it's got half a sack. Uh, as well, can plays a bit of special teams. So in most seasons, you know, over his three seasons in the league, he's most years he's played more than a third of those, um, you know, special team snaps as well as playing on defense. So he offers you a little bit there, reasonably healthy as well when he does play. So you know, maybe he's a depth piece at the safety position as well. Uh, you know, so that's someone you think about there. A little bit lighter though, he's 6'1", 195 pounds, according to the numbers I was able to pull out, but he's someone who might get cheap. Again, is he a practice squad player that we know that Brian Flores knows? Uh, then you've got Nick Needham, Elijah Campbell, um, and then I think the last one um, on the defensive side was Sam um, Aguilvon. I think I pronounced that name wrong, part of my accent, part of my pronunciation there. Um you know, but from his perspective, he's another linebacker. Whether anyone's really interested in that, you know, in him, not really, sh- don't doubt it. Going across the Patriots side, so I then went back and looked at the guys that are in the Patriots free agent list um, currently that also played under Brian Flores, but they had to play on defense. Um, so, uh, guys that definitely um, currently there um, were Devin McCourty. 
Dante Hightower, obviously, so Devin McCourty's safety, brother of um, Jason McCourty. You know, do you bring in a guy like Devin McCourty? Uh, you know, he's getting on a little bit too um, at 35, um, voided contract. So, yes, you will see him on contract if, uh, with, with the Patriots, but it's a voided contract. He goes voided through 2023 and 2024 um, there. But, you know, Devin's probably even had a potentially more notable career when you look at the interceptions and the pass defenses and the tackles for a loss and the force fumbles and everything he's done. You know, he's a very healthy player. He's only missed three games since 2013, um, one in 2013, two in 2015. He's played more than 90% of the snaps um, going all the way back to 2015 where he had 84% and then he had 91% um, in 2014, 89 in 2013, and 98 in 2012 and 81.4 in 2011. So very healthy guy, um, you know, does a lot for the team. I'd love to bring a guy like this in, into the team. Absolutely love it. Um, 5'10", 195 pounds, he can play. This guy can play. Um, it's just whether he's got some of that speed. Again, doesn't probably fit in what Jeff Hartman probably wants with younger guys. But, you know, bring them, bring both of them. Hey, let's go draft Connor Haywood in the draft. And we can have the Edmonds brothers. We can have the Watt brothers. Get JJ too. We can have the Haywood brothers. We can have the McCourty brothers. You know, it's just it's Super Smash brothers, really, at the, by this point in time. Um, but, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting uh, when you look at it from that perspective. Uh, you know, I think, you know, perhaps a lot of people are talking about um, Donta Hightower as well. Apparently, the Steelers liked him coming out. Um, so that could be an interesting sort of, situation given we need some help there at the linebacker position a much bigger linebacker too um from his perspective lots of quarterback hits lots of tackles for a loss you know uh easily there now i think from a sack perspective i think he's you know over 25 sacks there almost 30 sacks so not too bad sorry looking at those numbers on the fly um you know that's interesting from, from johnny mccordy Dante Hightower's, sorry, Dante McCourty, I've combined them two together. Um, then you've got JC Jackson, obviously, probably the top cornerback in free agency this year. I'm also, you know, I like Dante Jackson um, out of the Carolina Panthers. He seems to be an odd man out, but he's a good man. Um, but, you know, JC Jackson's there if you were going to throw the money at the cornerback position. Um, you know, he was drafted in the year, the last year of Brian Flores' tenure. Um, as well. So that's just one thing to note is that maybe that exposure is limited. And also it's not part of the positional group um, directly that Brian Flores will be looking after. Then you've got uh, Harvey Lonnie, linebacker. He was terminated though this year. Um, there you've got Brandon King, linebacker, and Johan Bentley. Now, Johan Bentley, and I hope I say his name right, he's an interesting one because that was drafted. Um, he was drafted in the last year. Um, that Flores was there in 2018. Uh, and he's probably one of the better names when I list all the linebackers um, outside of Hightower across the Dolphins and the Patriots. He's probably the one that you might want to look at um, when I looked at some of his stats, when I looked at the position he was drafting. So he was drafted in the fifth round for them. Um, you know, stayed on the roster, 260 pounds, according to the numbers I've been able to pull up, 26, six foot two, um, couple of sacks the last two years, couple of pass defenses, couple of quarterback hits, um, not a great deal amount of tackles, plays about 60% of the snaps, um, stayed healthy. But again, he's, he's your sort of depth piece. Um, you know, he's probably, he'd be probably behind Buddy Johnson. So you're saying, why do we worry about that position? But he could be, again, is he a really, is he a practice squad target for us? Is he someone that gives you extra depth there? That's an interesting 
you know, he's an interesting player to at least have a look at. Um, then we look at uh, Duke Dawson as well. So he was, he's on, he played on the Browns last year. He's a safety. They drafted him in round two in 2018. He's available as well. Um, and then the guys he drafted in 2017, they only had four draft picks that year. The Patriots, two of them were tackles. One tackle was in the second round. The other one was in the sixth. And they drafted these guys in rounds three and four. They were drafted two defensive ends. But none of those guys are currently with teams in the league. But if I'm looking at two players um, on the Dolphins that I thought were out, you know, interesting ones outside of Ogbo and McC- the McCourty, his brothers, well, obviously McCourty brother played with the Patriots, is Christian Wilkins, who is still under contract. I wondered there, if you don't have Tuit coming back, I wonder whether they look to do something with Miami um, for Christian Wilkins. Obviously out of Clemson, um, you know, I think he's plus 310 pounds, moves pretty quickly. He's got some edge rush. Um, I, I wonder if that they look at someone like that and, and, a, and a trade for him um, with picks, offer him some money as well, um, later picks, maybe future picks. That could be an interesting piece. Will Fuller's another one. Um, he's cropped up in our Slack channel. People are just worried that he doesn't stay any healthy, you know, doesn't stay healthy, um, you know, year in, year out. But he could be an interesting one for the Steelers um, in terms of what he can do, be a bit more of a Swiss Army knife um, in the backfield there and jet sweeps and those sorts of things. Uh, you know, he's had trouble staying healthy and he was around for, um, played in two games this year, was a healthy scratch in one, was healthy in 2020. Um, but he struggled to put a full season together. So he's someone you can get on the cheap. I think his contract this year, um, you know, was 990,000, I think was his base salary um, last season. Um, yeah, so he had a total, you know, one-year deal of, of 10 million there with the Dolphins. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of interesting, but it was, yeah, it was the base salary, it was the 900000 Uh, But, yeah, you know, he's someone that's going to crop up and I think he's going to be available on the cheap. So, yeah, these are some players to think about with uh, with Brian Flores. So moving on into, um, from that, we're actually going to take a break uh, on this week's Steelers War Room. Join me for part two. We're going to look at a couple of the mock drafts that I've seen in recent times from some of the NFL experts. Um, and what we're also going to do is a prayer, prayer. Well, yeah, I'm throwing up a prayer for him, uh, but uh, a prayer. Uh, but uh, Travis Jones, if you want to do a player profile on him, like we like to do on this show week in, week out, stay tuned for part two. We're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host that likes to put you in the show of, put you in the show, put you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Brandon Hunt, the rest of Steelers front office, including Art Rooney II, as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond as they chase a seventh Lombardi trophy. That would be a league's record setting seventh Lombardi trophy. But before I go into, uh, you know, the draft side of things, I just wanted to basically give a shout out to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. There's some great content up there right now. There's film rooms going all season. There's draft stuff with, you know, Andrew Wilbar, um, you know, 
Jeff Hartman, Tony Duffio, Michael Beck are writing articles as well. Um, some of them stir up the fan base um, with a couple of those guys. Dave's, you know, across every little bit of salary cap news and everything else, um, you know, generating as many controversial comments as ever, um, which is what we like to see. But it's your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. If news happens, it breaks there just as quickly as it breaks on, you know, your ESPNs and your NFL networks and all those sorts of things. Um, the podcast lineup as well. We come to you live in the evening shows, um, you know, from the Steelers hangover, um, you know, the there's a Q&A show right now that's replaced the post-game show. You've got the Scobros on Tuesday, uh, Know Your Enemy, um, or it's the the college previewing in, the, in this time of year um, on Wednesday with Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict. On Thursday, you've got the Steelers preview. On Friday, you've got Six Pack returning. On Saturday, you've got myself and Marky D, Marky Davison, uh, doing Steelers Touch Down Under. Uh, then you've got the noon shows. This is obviously one of the noon shows. I think we're airing this on a Wednesday. I'm recording on a Wednesday. I got told we're moving to a Wednesday. Uh, that's actually good um, when you look at dates coming up for the for the key parts of free agency in the draft and what have you. Um, it's a good thing we're on a Wednesday. I'm happy with the move. I don't know if the, this is going to be aired on this Wednesday um, or whether we're still on Thursday this week and we pivot over next week. Um, but there is that switch. I think what Yin's talking about is, move, is moving as well. Um, then you've got your morning shows as well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, you've got Let's Ride. You've got Stat Geek on Thursday, Tuesday. You've got... Um, uh, Michael Beck show. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the whole roundup, but there's something like 20 plus original shows per week from behind the curtain. Um, you know, it's your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. But look, let's get in the draft. It's a big thing for me. It's a favorite thing for me. Everyone knows I love the mock drafts. Everyone knows um, that's what this show is about, whether we're looking at the rookies in season after they've been drafted. We're starting to preview guys and they're doing well in college, looking ahead to the draft. We can down the weeks. There's not that many weeks. It's the last week of the quarter. Um, if you follow the American business quarter, the majority of America's businesses quarters, I work for an American multinational company um, in my day job. And, you know, so for me, that's a busy last week. That's the last week of the quarter. That's when people are doing business and the draft is business for NFL franchises. Um, and we're going to know compensatory picks soon. We're going to know the cap soon. A lot of people were talking the number of 203 million. The actual number that a lot of teams are saying they're being floated with is 208 million. That's a good thing for the Steelers, um, but we'll see. But I wanted to have a look at some mock drafts because I think it's kind of funny. Um, some mock drafts have been going around lately and I'm going off the ones, you, you know, there are other ones that, um, you know, with CBS um, and there's the ones that go up on the mock draft Mondays in Dave Schofield, Schofield's articles. So stay tuned for those or go back and have a look at the ones that have been published to date. But I found it pretty interesting when I was going through the NFL Network ones. And Daniel Jeremiah's latest mock has Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers. Sorry, Kenny Pickett going at 19 to New Orleans as the first quarterback off the board and Malik Willis going to the Steelers at number 20. It's interesting. I've seen a lot of other drafts that have the Broncos trading up to fifth to go get Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. I've seen the Browns drafting Kenny Pickett or Sam Howell. Um, Finding the draft Howell, basically fake in Mayfield 2.0. But interesting, Malik Willis. And one of the things interesting about DJ um, is he sat next to Malik Willis the whole plane ride home from the senior bowl. Fun fact. And they were doing a lot of talking and he was apparently told him, you know, quite clearly that the Steelers was a, was a very, very positive interaction. I think it's interesting as well when you think about Colbert's comments um, in the last 48 hours by the time this airs around, you know, 
mobility being really key, but accuracy being really key. That's probably to the detriment of my man, Carson Strong, um, at the moment, who's got to prove that he's not suffering from the knee injuries um, after the knee surgery he had and then returned four months later um, to really dominate with Nevada. But when you look at Malik Willis, uh, it's an interesting one. Lance Zerlein has us currently trading up with the Chargers to take Willis at 17. Um, three spots. Most people probably wouldn't mind that. That's probably a third round of next year. Maybe if you can get away with that, maybe there's a player involved. I think most Steelers fans probably wouldn't hate that if Willis was sitting there. I don't mind it, but I, I'm i a fan of trading back. We talked about that in last week's podcast. And then I looked at Bucky Brooks because I thought he's is interesting. I know that he's a fan of the upside in Malik Willis, but his last draft was on January 25th. And his was unlike any mo- thing that I'd seen for most people. He actually had the Steelers draft in Trayvon Walker, um, you know, the, the linebacker um, back on the 25th uh, of Jan um, out of Georgia, I think Trayvon Walker is. I found that that's pretty interesting actually because – a lot of people are like, well, the Steelers actually shy away from defense. Well, they actually shy away from, you know, the bread and butter. Um, and I think that that's, that's quite an, yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting, um, you know, thought that we're all thinking the Steelers are going to draft an O lineman, but are they just going to go back to the lovely old defense? Um, I have seen other mocks, um, particularly one post Super Bowl with the Draft Network. Obviously, people know I'm a big fan of the Draft Network. Um, they had us getting Tyler Linderbaum, which I think would send several of my BTSC colleagues, Michael Beck, Jeffrey Bendick, maybe a couple of others through the roof of happiness. Me, I don't think it would be the worst pick in the world. I get the fit. I get that he's, you know, a great prospect. I just, I still have real questions about him. I just do. Um, That is what it is. Uh, But I also can't see him falling there, particularly when you've got um, an aging offensive line with the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Philadelphia Eagles have those three picks in the teens. Like, that's the thing that, that's probably the one thing apart from what I've said on Touchdown Under and what I have said on this show, when I comment on different things, um, in live chats of some of other shows, things are going to change with the amount of GMs and coaching moves that have changed, um, like, or, or happened. Uh, things are going to change versus what mock drafts we sort of thought at any given point. Um, and so what I think is, is interesting from that perspective is where does it change also? for the teams that have multiple picks. And that's why I talked about trading back last week. And so with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, picking three times in the teens, that that's big. Um, the way the Jets have got multiple picks as well, um, you know, that kind of changes things. I've seen other drafts, drafting the draft network that's going up. Um, it's just gone up this morning, US time, because I'm recording this at about 10 o'clock PM my time. Um, so it would be right now, like maybe, I think it's about 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. probably on the Eastern Seaboard right now um, of America. Um, but Charles Cross isn't labeled in that draft. Some people have been matching him quite often to the Steelers. Uh, I'm worried about his weight a little bit, but I do think he's, you know, definitely a got great agility. Um, but so it's just interesting to see where these mocks are going. But when everyone's got a quarterback, they seem to be having Steelers pick Malik Willis, whether it's trading up or it's trading down. The fact that he's not probably ready um, year one or certainly not the first half of year one is probably in the Steelers' favor or, you know, in the in the fans of Malik Willis' favor. Look, I, I think the guy's an incredible athlete. I 
I'm worried by what I saw in the senior bowl, but it is a very small sample size where he just is immediately run first. Um, but I trust the instincts of my colleague, Andrew Wilbar, um, who's bringing the draft fix to you with uh, Jeremy Betts. Um, and, you know, he's pretty high on him and just says he needs time to develop. Um, so, you know, I, I don't disagree. I think he's definitely got that athletic ability, as I've said, definitely got the the height and the speed um, and what have you there. Like his fastest run in the senior bowl was faster than the fastest run of Kyler Murray, who was the fastest um, linebacker, quarter the fastest, sorry, quarterback speed in the NFL this year. So who knows um, what will actually happen on draft day. So now we're going to go into Travis Jones. Uh, Travis Jones is just, uh, you know, an absolute, you know, I just think he's an awesome prospect in this draft. I think he's going to do some really, really great things, um, you know, for whichever team drafts him. I think one of the things about Travis Jones, I've looked at a fair amount of tape. Um, I've got to get it to you. I've got to start talking to you guys about him now. I've held back for several weeks simply because I wanted to look at more tape, um, but he's starting to rocket up the boards. He's a name you want to watch, um, you know, in like, and it's a name you want to watch because this is a guy that is going to make a difference for whichever team drafts him. Um, maybe there's a couple of teams that aren't the right scheme fit for him or they're not the right franchise fit for him. And that would be disappointing because a lot of draft draftees or rookie success in the league depends on where they go, the fit, the scheme, um, the quality of the organization as well. Um, too. But Travis Jones on the right team is a name you're going to have to watch out for if he's not drafted by the Steelers because he's going to be disrupting the pocket, you know, for a very long time with any team that he goes against. So we'll get into some stats, but I wanted to just like, like basically cover off some things that I noticed on tape. His legs are always pumping. I love this. Like people know I come from a rugby background and leg drive is really, really important. Leg drive, you can have your sheer weight, but there is a difference when you see people when they're making a tackle, um, you know, if you're playing on the defensive side of the football or when you're going up against the line, you know, if you're trying to overpower anyone in a contact sport, leg drive is the best way to do it. It's the biggest muscles in your, in your body, um, you know, and it's a real difference maker. And that's not footwork. When I say leg drive, it's the pumping of the legs like pistons. It's driving and following through, not just hitting once, but using your legs to really drive someone backwards. It's fundamental of tackling technique, but it's also fundamental um, for how you engage the line from everything I've learned about the NFL since I started watching it. Having said that, his ankles look to be pretty flexible. Um, I watched one of the circles, kind of like a cone drill, one of the circle drills he did. I'm interested to see what he does at the cone drill at the combine um, because I noticed quite a bit of flexibility turning, you know, turning corners there, and I think that's a good thing. Um, when he is going up against pass blockers, I do feel like he has a tendency to rise a bit, like he could be a bit lower. But when I was watching this, when it stood out particularly to me, it was less in game film. It was more when he was doing the practices at the senior bowl. And there was some tall, tall offensive linemen that he was going against. Um, He absolutely made Stuber from Michigan look like like an absolute dunce (laughs) at the senior bowl practices. He had made most guys, actually. Um, I noticed a weird high five with Jesse Laquetta, um, who I'm going to definitely be taking closer look at. Big favorite of Andrew Wilbur um, as well there out of Penn State, um, who'd be an edge rusher for the Steelers. Uh, he easily has the power to collapse and, or at least significantly disrupt the pocket, putting a lot of pressure on interior offensive linemen. Rarely goes to ground. Um, that's something that I've seen 
too often from some some of the younger prospects that things that you sometimes see at the NFL level. I think it was Chris Wormley this season that always seemed to be on the floor. Um, Cassius Marsh was the same, um, even though obviously a different position. Um, so rarely goes to ground is a big plus for me. I've noticed when some offensive linemen try and use their hands to combat him and really shift him off, he shifts just, just as much. And also he rebounds and comes back to get his hands and gives him a good shove. Um, you know, he's six foot five, um, 333 pounds. He was actually six foot five and 350 pounds. Apparently I watched um, one of the local television news broadcasts when he was announced that he was going to Yukon and he reneged on going to Rutgers, but yeah, six, five, 350 pounds. The coach, his high school coach at the time said, I've never coached someone with such brute strength and size, but so quick and, you know, willing to listen. He said, also what's interesting is that, um, you know, Travis actually in any of our long, long distance fitness is a top seven to eight performer on the team. Now that's pretty interesting as, as well there. Uh, he's totaled 134 tackles um, in, in his college career so far. 2020 didn't play um, with COVID. Uh, 19 tackles for a loss, eight and a half sacks, one fumble recovery there. Um, definitely a lot of assisted tackles, but just the pressure you can see that he puts on the pocket and that's going to allow people to do things. Um, number his four and a half sacks was was pretty high as well. I think it was number seven on on one of the leaderboard lists as well, which is pretty interesting for us to have with him. I noticed one thing that I didn't fully like, um, and that was sometimes he uses one hand to push past people where he probably thinks he's got a winning matchup. And I saw him having to dip and I saw him kind of get held when he did that. Now, great if there's a holding penalty and maybe it's just those couple of plays I was looking at, but I, I, and I need to watch a bit more tape to see if this is much of a trend. Like at the NFL level, he's got to do, he's not going to get away with things. He bullied guys. Like he bullied Stuber, as I said, he bullied Mark, bullied Marquise Hayes out of Oklahoma. One player he didn't bully who I'm going to take a closer look at is interior offensive lineman Cole Strange out of the University of Tennessee. He held up pretty well <laughs> against Travis Jones, which I found interesting. I wasn't, I wasn't picking that, but you know, Travis Jones still drove him backward, but he, he had to really work for it. And so I'm going to take a look, a close look at Cole Strange um, and whether his potential, you know, fit in the in the mid to late rounds for the Steelers. Um probably more mid rounds though, judging by some of the things I'm seeing on tape. If I'm seeing it, other, other teams are going to be seeing it um, for sure. The pass rush part is important to me too. He's not necessarily known as the greatest um, run defender. It's not that I think that that's a gap um, in his abilities by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think when you're thinking about Travis Jones from that perspective, it's it's what he does in the pass rush and it's the pressure he's going to put on the pocket. And so I think that's important, yeah, because right now you're probably sitting there saying, well, Steelers have got a great defensive line. Maybe if two, it doesn't come back, Matt, we open it up. But A, you could learn from Haywood, but B, I think there's versatility that he's going to off, offer you with his speed. And so I'm really interested to see where how he tests at the combine and his pro day um, in terms of the sub package and what what difference can he make playing sub packages um that's going to be a really key thing for teams that want to draft him high um as well i do have a subscription to college pff so i was able to pull up um some snaps as well by position 
Um, so overall snaps, uh, they're 501 snaps um, this year, 428 in D-line, 66 on field goal and a punt block. So he did play some special teams um, as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, season grades, um, going through this season of the games he played, um, his defensive grade was mostly in the high 70s um, to high 80s, which was good. There were a couple of weeks where it was lower. Um, his run defense had a season low of 61.4 in week seven and a season high of 81.1 um, in week six and week two. Um, his tackle rating is pretty high most weeks, um, apart from the last couple of weeks of the season. Pass rush, 89 one week, 85 another week, 82 another week. Um, these are PFF grades though. So, you know, you've got to take these into account, but his overall defensive grade in 2021 was 87.6, 77.8 in 2019 and 82.8, um, in 2018. So he played 584 snaps in 2021, 589 in 2019, 430 in 2018. His run defense grade on PFF in 2021 was 86.8, 78.7 in 2019, 88.3 in 2018. Tackle rate, season low, uh, a career low in college of 52.2 in 2019, 65.8 2021, 77.3 in 2018. Pass rush, uh, the last two years, it's been above 78.8, um, 78.9 in, in 2019. Um, so the last two seasons he's played, that's really high. His coverage rating went up by, by almost 10% this year as well. Um, so, you know, four, sack, four and a half sacks, as I said, PFF don't record half sacks. He did have a half sack. Um, quarterback hits, according to PFF, was seven, 14 hurries. Um, they had a similar tackle count as well to what um, the other numbers I was pulling up from sports reference, which is pro football references, college numbers. But look, Travis Jones is a player to absolutely watch rocket up the boards. He's a player that might shift other interior defensive linemen down in the draft. Guys like Federian Mathis from Alabama um, is a guy that could drop. I think Wyatt is now a first-round pick from Georgia, who we've profiled previously. But yeah, Travis Jones out of the UConn, University of Connecticut, the, the Huskies, Great player, really excited to watch him in the NFL. Hopefully, I'm watching him play for the Steelers. I think he'd do a tremendous job. Hopefully, we're not watching him smash Molly Willis in a couple of years' time. But with that, that wraps up this week's Steelers War Room. Enjoy the next week of the offseason. There'll be more news coming out. And as always, stick with Behind the Steel Curtain. Go, Steelers. Go, Steelers.